Hi everybody, the episode that you're about to listen to has been available for about a week now. Of course, it's only available on patreon.com slash rundownwrestling, but yeah, why didn't, why haven't signed up yet? And why didn't you listen to this a week ago? I mean, I just got one thing to ask you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. fourth edition of NXT 2.0. Get comfortable, take your pants off, pull your genitals out, tickle them around a little bit. Let's have some fun. Two dimes and stacks are given a pep talk by Tony D'Angelo. He tells Zagato that Santos has to sucker punch him, and tonight they should watch as the boys beat the fuck out of Team Blacked. Santos is shown smiling behind him. Idris Enofi and Malik Blade already in the ring, and the Mafia boys arrive for the match. They of course are dressed in the same ring attire as D'Angelo, which would be pants and a tank top. Stack starts off with Anofi and shoulders him before taking in two dimes. Dimes works over Anofi before taking back out. Anofi has a dropkick, then tags in Blade. Blade has a dropkick of his own, and tags out to Anofi. Anofi hits a tiger kick, and Tony distracts Anofi. Nofi gets dumped outside, and Dimes starts kicking him and sends him back inside, and then into the corner. Stax tags in and puts on a shoulder lock. We go to a split screen, and let me tell you how refreshing it is. We see the back of a TV monitor, and the Gato are all watching the screen. We're not having the wrestlers turn 90 degrees from the screen so that we can see both what's on the screen and see the wrestlers. No, 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 no. We fully understand they're watching the match. We don't have to see the match. We're seeing it in split screen. Instead, what we're seeing are three fucking people watching TV the way three fucking people would actually watch TV. Santos asks Electra if she can hold it down because he is headed to the ring. Back in the ring and Blade takes in and instantly trips but recovers well. He hits a diving crossbody that is seated clothesline 
and a top, top rope crossbody for two. Blade hits a sidekick as Anofi is taken out by Dimes. Santos, Cruz, and Joaquim arrive. Two Dimes and Stacks hit double boots, and they get the win. Huh? Okay. Why, why did the guy distract him then, if they were just going to win? D'Angelo grabs a mic and requests Legato to join them in the ring. And we get a pull-apart brawl. This was a, a really good tag match. It was a lot of good psychology going on. The Anofi and Blade work really well together. Two dimes and stacks. They definitely feel like a unit. And that's good. So, all in all, a good start to the event. Dinner time is with Wes Lee. Wes says he felt disrespected by Sangha. And Mackenzie says, I don't think Sangha meant anything by it. And Wes is like, look, bitch, you shut the fuck up. He says that he needs to do this to prove that he can. Sangha arrives for the match. Now, Sangha is the former Saurav from Indashir. His buddy Vera Mahan moved up to the main roster and he got left behind here. But he's doing decent. Wesley arrives next. He has turned the MSK hand sign into a W instead for his own name. Sangha catches the foot by Wes and then just hucks him across the ring, which is that spot that I'm starting to hate. He hits a headbutt to the back of the head and then elbows down Lee. Sangha steps on Wes and pulls him halfway out the ring. Sangha drops an elbow on Wes, then climbs back into the ring, and Lee finally gets at least one kick on him. Sangha picks Lee up and bear hugs him. Well, spoons him aggressively. Lee kicks Sangha in the leg, then haymakers him in the face. He hits a tumble kick, sending Sangha outside. Lee kicks Sangha in the back, then drop kicks him onto, into the stairs. Wes kicks him in the face, and Sangha just batters him in the chest. Sangha gets back in the ring, and Lee keeps kicking Sangha. But Wes goes up top, he misses, and Sangha clotheslines him, and then choke slams Lee for the win. <sighs> I love me some Wesley. I do. They need to figure out what they're doing with him. Sangha, he played the big man very well in this. He was dominating. He... You know, they, they played off the Lee needs to do everything he can to, you know, get out of this. And, and you know, it was it was a decent match. It was fine. Zion Quinn lets Sangha leave, and he enters the ring. Zion approaches Lee, but then Sangha grabs Zion from behind and chucks him. Zion leaves as Sangha hugs Lee. If we're doing a tag team with Sangha and Lee... It's obviously not what they brought Wesley in for. You know, he, he him being teamed up with another super quick kind of high flyer would be much of the same. But him being teamed up with a big monster while he's the, the, the smaller guy might actually work. So I'm, I'm interested, to say the least. Good first two matches, so let's keep going. Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez are in the locker room. Perez is worried about her match tonight, but Cora reminds her of the time that she fought 
Jenna Waters. Before the match, Waters took both of their stuff and threw it outside, which I hoped was going to be a story of like, then we had to go out there and we had to like fight in our underwear. Uh, but it it didn't. Sadly. No, instead, what it was was that uh, Roxanne went out there and won the match anyways. And then Roxy's like, well, you're leaving at the part where you hit uh, that pitch with uh, your skateboard. Roxy asks Jade to watch her match, and Cora says she will watch the match from the crowd. Here's the thing, alright? These two feel like they're coded gay. Uh, if you don't understand that, it's where you're you're not directly coming out and saying, like, these two are gay, but you're dropping a lot of hints. Like, Pretty Deadly are coded gay. Like, you look at him and you're like, you're, you're supposed to be in love with each other, right? These two, their interactions with each other definitely feel like that they maybe both have feelings for each other, but neither one of them is willing to make a move, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's just my dirty fan fiction I write every night with them. Either way, I, I like the pairing. And if eventually it leads to them being a tag team and going for the tag titles, I think that's a good, a good idea, too. Also, I have no record of a Jenna Waters as a wrestler. So either this story is complete bullshit, or the names have been changed to, pr- changed to protect the innocent. Uh, there's only one time, by the way, in the past that Roxanne and Cora were in a match together, and they were not on the same team. So this whole, like, fake backstory of, like, oh, we've always been a tag team, we scissor all the time, is complete bullshit. But I kind of want them every week to be like, hey, uh, remember that time where Becca Bulldozer was challenging you to a wet t-shirt contest and she thought you wouldn't accept because you have like perky little titties and she's got some massive gahonk honks, but she did it anyways and you won? Oh man, I remember that that was great. I just want them to like make up stories every week of just like the, just make it like the weirdest fucking names you can come up with and just like the, the craziest stories. Remember that time that you, uh, you got thrown down the stairs, Cora, and you broke both of your legs? And then you had to uh, uh, go into a match. It was like a three-legged contest. And uh, I had to provide two of the legs. And then I just, like, wrapped yours up together in one leg. Yeah, I remember that. It was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Braun Bricker walks in and is stopped by... Oh, boy. Don't hate me on this. But I think he's stopped by Guru Raj. The other person I'm not going to attempt to guess the name of... He looked Hispanic, sounded Hispanic, so I'm going to guess he's Hispanic, but don't cancel me. They tell him that they saw Joe Gacy's two weird goons in there earlier, so Braun goes into his locker room and finds a Polaroid photo taped to his locker, and he's like, this is from 20 years ago. The photo appears to be of Rick and his family. I don't know how Gacy got that picture, but... He did. Electra Lopez is in the ring, and Alba Fire arrives. They tie up to start, and Lopez pulls Fire down to the mat. They both refuse to let go, and Lopez sends Fire into the ring steps. Fire hits a drop kick, and then a rolling setup into a kick, and a two count. 
Lopez blocks a chop and sends fire into the ring post shoulder first. We see that Cora Jade is sitting ringside eating popcorn. So you, you're out there early because Roxanne's match isn't until later. I guess you're not booked tonight. Fire goes for the gory bomb but can't due to the damage done to her arm. She climbs to the top ropes and hits a senton for the win instead. So this win was less dominant but showed that Alba can actually win in different ways, which I think was really good because it wasn't just, oh, she hits her finisher, she's good. Like, she did a completely different move, and it showed a lot more of, like, the grit and tenacity that she's supposed to be known for. So I like the fact that this wasn't just your typical squash match. This was something that actually showed, like, there's more levels to Alba Fire than what we've seen so far. After the match, Cora laughs at Lopez, and she slaps the popcorn out of her hands and gets it all over the floor. Some poor motherfuckers gotta clean that shit up, man. It's not cool. So look for that to be the feud going forward. Damon Kemp is on the phone in the back. And the Creeds walk up with Ivy Nile. By the way, Ivy's in a tank top and she has her hair in a ponytail instead of her normal braids. It took me a second to be like, is that I? Yeah, that's Ivy Nile. Yeah, I, I know those fucking triceps anywhere. Damon says that Roddy rolled his ankle, so the match tonight is off. The Creeds want to step in, but Kemp says, mm, nah. Julia says Roddy's ankle better be hanging on by a thread if he's going to pussy his way out of this. Julia Sen says Brutus almost blew out both of his knees during the cannonball last week, but if they had a chance, they'd be able to go and fight tonight. Julia says that at In Your House, the luck of Pretty Dudley will run out. I wonder if this is why Ivy was presented as a face on NXT UK. Like, her and the Creed Brothers would be a great badass face faction. And they don't really need Damon Kemp and Roddy Strong at this point, because the Creeds are getting over on their own. And Ivy is just great. Dinner time is with Fallon Henley and Briggs and Jensen. She says that Nikita Lyons suffered an injury and is out of the tournament. I assume that she slipped in all of the jizz that's backstage anytime she walks into a room. Fallon is asked how she feels about having a bye into the finals. Fallon says she's looking forward to facing Nikita, but Tiffany Stratton walks up and asks if Fallon's going to take the easy road into the finals. She says this country girl act works on country dumb and dumber, but not her. So she pointed to Briggs and said dumb and Jensen is dumber, which prompts Briggs to laugh and tell Jensen she called you dumber, which was a really nice background acting. Fallon says, you know what? I earned my spot and yeehaw, bitch. Go ahead. You can take Nikita's spot tonight and face me. Winner goes to face off in the finals. So yeah. Nikita, while she was training, did tear an MCL, or partially tear an MCL. Uh, and uh, sad crying boner noises, because that sucks. Nikita looked to be on her way to maybe winning this tournament, or at the very least making it to the finals and putting on a good show. Part of me is sad, because I have to wonder, like... If, if this is going to set Nikita back at all on her development, because now she's not going to be able to do as much in the ring. 
So, but another part of me goes, well, now this sets up a possible change in the finals of it, and maybe this opens up an opportunity. I hope that Nikita is able to come back and doesn't lose her spot, because it seems like they're very high on her. Uh, I definitely am going to miss that dump truck ass, so, um, yeah. Not the best news, but hey, we're going to roll with it. Roxanne Perez arrives for her semifinals match. Who will face off against either Stratton or Henley? Lash Legend gets the actual jobber entrance as she is already in the ring as Perez continues to work the crowd. Rox charges at Lash and gets her in a, a hip hug. She tries to arm drag Legend who catches Roxy and picks her up for a suplex and then kips up. It wasn't a fluid start, but we're getting better. Lash goes for a Dominator, and Roxy slips free. Legend hits a stalling backbreaker for two. Legend again picks up Perez, but Perez turns it into a sleeper. Perez drops her in, drop kicks her in the knee, then kicks her in the face, and Luthez presses her, but it didn't look very good. Perez cannibals into the corner, and Lash hits a standing leg sweep. Lash picks up Perez for a powerbomb, but Roxy reverses it into the Pop Rocks and gets the win. I think part of the problem for Lash is she's trying to work a match like the rest of the women do. But Lash isn't the rest of the women. Lash is almost a foot taller than Perez, and she should be working more of the like Rhea Ripley style or more of like a Kevin Nash style. When she hits these big powerful moves, she looks good. It's when she goes for like the quick moves that are meant for smaller workers that she doesn't look as good. Or when other people try to do moves on her that are kind of meant for smaller workers to hit on smaller workers. I think Lash has a bright future ahead of her. I just think that there are some things that need to be fine-tuned with her, which is obviously why she's in XD 2.0, but I think that if they leaned more into her being like this tall powerhouse, it would be beneficial for everyone involved. Go ahead and get your penis out because it's time for Mandy Rose and the Two Tots. Mandy calls out Indy Hartwell, and before they can finish their promo, Katana and Caden attack Gigi and JC. Mandy sneaks away to get ready for her match. Indiana Hartwellington arrives. Even her music sounds sad. Amanda Rose is out next. The camera is out of focus until it lands on Mandy's titties. Then it blasts into focus. Indy hits uh, Mandy with, down with a shoulder block and then starts whipping her arm. Mandy punches Indy down for one. Mandy then works the arm. Speaking of, I'll just, uh, you know, just kind of go ahead and uh, jerk off a little bit. Oh, shit, where was I? Manny uh, nails a running kick to the corner, then a spine kick for two. This is your typical beat the champ and you get a title shot type of match, because this is a non-title match. Indy proves she is a screamer by taking some shoulders into the empty womb. Short arm clotheslines by Indy, and then a sidewalk slam leads to a two. Back from break, and Mandy had Indy in an abdominal stretch, which then turns into a two count. Mandy asks who Indy thinks she is. Probably Indy Hartwell. 
She tells her she will never look like her. Andy starts unloading fists into Mandy. Hot. Andy picks up Mandy but drops her due to being in pain. She instead nails Mandy with a knee for two. Andy hits a spine buster for two and Dolan and Jane arrive, but Kitana and Caden arrive as well and take them out. Jane gets in the ring and knocks Kitana out, but then eats a big boot from Indy. The crowd is chanting, holy shit for some reason? I have no clue why. Indy turns around and eats a big boot from Mandy, who picks up the win. Kinda bullshit ending. You could have done DQ finish there. Because you literally had somebody come into the ring, and I understand that she didn't hit Indy, but Indy hit her, but still... As soon as somebody hops in the ring, we've seen it before, right? Like, as soon as somebody hops in the ring, they DQ. I, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Mandy poses with the belt and grabs her titties before Wendy Chu hits her from behind with a bag of balls. Yep. She hit her with a bag of balls. Yes, Daddy. Wendy says, like my balls? And then grabs a belt and dances. Braun Brakakakar is with dinner time. He, oh, I guess I should comment on that match. Uh, perfectly fine. Uh, when, uh, she's Wendy. Mandy has really improved since coming down to NXT. And uh, Indy continues to kind of just be there. And I know that they cut her legs out from under her with, you know, getting rid of Persia and kind of, and Dexter and kind of ending all of that storyline. But she's still there, so I would assume that they have plans for her. So, we'll see. But it was a, a fine match. Like I said, kind of a bullshit ending to it, but I get it. I get what they're trying to do. Pretty, or Timothy Stratton makes her way to the ring. Uh, somehow her ring gear is more covered up than what she was wearing before, but, you know, I guess it makes sense you don't want to pop a titty out. Pretty deadly make jokes about Roddy having a lame-ass injury, and in ten days, the Greed Brothers get another bite of the tastiest snacks in NXT. Fallon Henley arrives with her gay cowboy buddies. Tiff and Fallon tie up to start. Stratton leaps Henley and backflips across the ring. She chops Henley, who chops her tits. Right back. Henley then drops Tiff with a shoulder and tells her to lick her twat. Tiffany pokes her in the eye, and Henley hits a Judas effect with all of the actual damage that that move would do, which is very little. Stratton breaks the leg of Henley as Wade informs us that Brooks Jensen is still a virgin, and with his trusty right hand out of commission, we need to hashtag find Brooks a girl. I wish I was lying about that. That's actually what he said. Also, Henley's right there. Plus, getting a handy from Henley is a better hashtag. Also, also, Brooks is probably more interested in finding a dude. Stratton drops her ass on Henley, then kicks her leg out of her leg. She leaps to the apron, then jumps to the top rope on her knees and flips over into a senton. Is Stratton one of the best females in NXT 
she has just these great athletic moves. Like, man, she definitely makes a case for being one of the most entertaining. And she's a natural heel. Like, she she actually gets heel reactions like she should. But she's really fucking good. Stratton does four backflips in a row. And then lands an elbow into Henley for two. Stratton puts Henley in a leg lock and bridges to get more torque on it. Speaking of torque... Tiffany gets the move broken up as Henley slaps her in the baby maker. Front face buster followed by a few punches, and Henley puts Stratton down with a second face buster. She back body drops Stratton, but her leg is too damaged to continue. Fallon tries to run Stratton, but she drops to one knee in pain. Stratton kicks Henley into the corner, then does a leap off the first ropes into a double stomp. She then hits her finisher for the win, which is the twisting corkscrew splash. Grayson Waller arrives to celebrate with Stratton. So it will be Perez versus Stratton in the finals at In Your House. Winner gets a shot at either the women's title or the women's tag titles, I guess. How match was a lot of fun, man. Like, I I like both of these workers. Henley and Tiffany Stratton. Both are are very impressive they do things different too like they are not your like uh just kind of palette swapped wrestlers like they are they very much have their own styles and they mesh really well they had good chemistry with each other i really like that match katana chance and caden carter are with dinner time katana says that they are sick of everyone taking their kindness for weakness they had kindness? Caden offers toxic trash to put the belts on the line at In Your Spouse. Wendy Chu arrives with a big gulp to say that she likes the sound of the match. She also says that she likes the sound of her sack of balls hitting Mandy in the face. Boner. Normally you have to pay to see that. But apparently at In Your House it's going to be Katana and Caden versus... JC and Gigi, and Wendy Chu versus Mandy Rose. It just hasn't been made official yet. We take a look at Von Wagner's Path of Destruction, or as I like to call it, a good time to take a bathroom break. Brown is on the phone with somebody saying that he doesn't know how Gacy got that video. Video? Did I miss the other one? Whoops. I might have missed before where he was talking to. Uh, dinner time and a video of him playing football and running a touchdown back was played and he said that Rick was supposed to be there but he uh, was in Japan wrestling instead so yeah so Gacy doesn't know how or he doesn't know how Gacy got that video and Duke wa- Duke Hudson walks up and says he has nothing to do with that uh, but he is ready for their match tonight he says he doesn't care if Braun has daddy issues, and then he gets slammed into lockers. He says, Gacy was right about you. You are predictable. Von Wagner is out to face Ikiman Jiro. How Jiro still has a job is beyond me, but here he is. Jacket fuck runs in and hits a back elbow. The bell rings, and Wagner grabs him and powerbombs his ass. 
Jiro hits a series of light slaps, and Bon power slams him. Wagner drops a few elbows on him and starts wailing on him before he hits a tilt-a-whirl slam for two. Wagner misses a boot, and Jiro dropkicks him. Wagner yanks Eikemen off the top ropes and spoons Jiro. Jiro does a back elbow and kicks Wagner in his massive head. He dropkicks him and slaps the shit out of him. Wagner catches him, but then he eats an enziguri. Jiro dropkicks him on the outside and moonsaults onto Wagner on the outside. He puts Wagner back in and hits a tornado DDT, but only gets two. Jiro sucks so much that the dueling chance is let's go Wagner, Wagner sucks. No mention of him. Wagner plants Jiro and beats him. Mercifully, this match is over. Oh, man. It's not a... It wasn't a bad match. Like, it wasn't egregiously bad. It just was nothing, you know? Like, they gave Jiro some offense, but I don't give a fuck about him, so I didn't care, you know? And Wagner is... Wagner. Wagner picks up Jiro to chuck him into the ring, uh, out of the ring again, but Josh Briggs rushes in and takes out Vaughn. Wagner gets stopped by Sophia Cromwell, and she, Wagner, and Stone proceed to leave. If they're going to go with the Josh Briggs as a solo artist for a little bit, while his buddy is off uh, figuring out how to have sex with his own hand, again, I'm fine with that, because Josh Briggs is really good, and he's just kind of paired up with uh, Jensen. Tony and G- D'Angelo get stopped and asked about Legato. He's pissed that this shit is still going on. I'm not. I like the storyline. At a near house, it'll be one last match. Tony D'Angelo versus Santos Escobar. And Tony's going to meet with Santos and make him an offer he can't refuse. Huh. Robert Stone is pissed that Josh Briggs fucked up his plans to chuck Ikimanjiro into orbit. Stone reminds Vaughn that he has pissed off a lot of people. And Sophia says, you know what? Fuck you, Stone. If you want to get noticed, you gotta ruffle some feathers. And Vaughn can handle anything, including my gaping vagina. Mandy Rose gets on the screen and says, the thought of Wendy Chu touching that title makes her want to puke. Mandy is a grown-ass woman, and Chu is a grown-ass kid. JC says that Caden and Katana are two feet tall, and they will be sent back to Munchkinland. Gigi says that they will walk in as champions and walk out as champions. And Mandy throws it back to Wade, and Wade jizzes his pants. Trick and Mello head to the barber. No, no, I'm not kidding. Mello says he needs to get his title back. Trick says he's been to Mello's house, and he's seen the gold chains, the gold watches, the full-scale Lego model of gold dust, but Mello needs that gold around his waist. Or the burgundy, I guess. Cameron Grimes arrives and says, I'm just here to talk, baby. Right before he and Solo killed them last week, before the match, he said that Grimes was lucky. Mello says, you don't rock that title like I do. Grimes says, maybe he doesn't deserve it, but he did earn it. And he says that there is a guy who arrived here that is 
faster than Mellow. Hell, he might even be better than Mellow. He might even be the white version of Mellow. So next week, I'm going to beat the guy who's better than Mellow, so that when I face you, I'll beat your ass even more. And that man is Nathan Frazier. So there you go. Nathan Frazier vs. Cameron Grimes next week. Sign me the fuck up. It's time to break everyone, because here comes Braun. Out first for some reason. Joe Gacy appears and tells his druids that clearly they are getting to Braun, and in the next match, they will make sure of it. Next week, we will have a Women's Championship Summit. Toxic Attraction, Caden, Katana, and Wendy will meet? I guess discuss plans for the future? Grimes takes on Frazier, Cora Jade vs. Electra Lopez, and D'Angelo and Santos interact with each other. Duke Hudson arrives, and Gacy is shown up in the Bukaki balcony. Hudson and Braun tie up, and Braun hits a Frankensteiner and overhead belly-to-belly suplexes Hudson. Hudson goes on top of Braun and starts wailing punches on him. Braun grabs him and hits a stalling suplex. Hudson clotheslines Braun and gets a two. Hudson then hits an overhead suplex of his own. Hudson stays on the attack, but Breaker boots him in the face, and they both close on each other. Back from break, and Gacy has come down from the Bukaki balcony. Get it? Braun gets thrown off the top ropes, into the side ropes, and he crashes onto the floor. Hudson sends Braun to the stairs, which I still say should be a DQ. Hudson and Braun back in, and Duke drops some boots. Hudson gets a two count, and then Duke attempts to lock in the Steiner recliner, but Breaker breaks out of it. Hudson attempts a powerbomb, but then gets back body-dropped. Braun spinebusters Duke and pulls his titties out. He clotheslines Hudson to the outside, and he goes with it. Breaker gets attacked by the druids as the ref watches this happen and doesn't call for the DQ. Hudson grabs a chair, but Braun grabs it away from him, and he swings at a Gacy who gets out of the way, and then he hits Hudson with a chair, and the ref then calls for the DQ. Gacy tells Braun he can't control his emotions. Probably shouldn't have had the ref standing there watching as two dudes assault the guy in the ring if you're going to do a DQ finish to show that Braun can't control his his emotions. So that wasn't good. Um, You didn't really have to have all the Gacy stuff either because you could have easily just had it where Duke grabs the chair... Braun takes it away from him, hits him, and then you're like, boom, DQ finish, he's predictable. I don't believe that Joe Gacy can win the championship, but stranger things have happened, I guess. Would he be a terrible champion? Um, Probably not. He could talk very well. But you know, I, I don't, I just don't see it. But, we'll see. We still got another week and a half before the pay-per-view. And we got another NXT 2.0 episode next week to send us home for the pay-per-view as well. So yeah, we'll be back, or I should say I'll be back next week to talk about that and to do some predictions for NXT in your house. Thank you for listening to this, and until next time... Bye-bye.